Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. An incredibly important game three coming up tonight, but really, who is this most important for? That is where we are rolling. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app on this gorgeous day. What is up, my friend Christopher Canty? Just out of curiosity, have we ever seen a sports figure moonwalk as hard as Jay Monahan has been moonwalking the last 24 hours? I mean, it, <laughs> this dude is moonwalking harder than Michael Jackson in his prime. That had to be a tough meeting to be My in My goodness. Well, well, I mean, well, I don't know how tough it is with all of the millions that he's poised to make. No, I'm saying with all of the, 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 the guys in that room that were pretty upset with him about the last year. and They can be upset with him. They might even try to force him out. But guess what? He just got a golden parachute with PIF investing in this merger, Live Tour, and the PGA Tour. Well, God we, bless. We will get into that later on. We will get into uh, so much more of football. Teddy Bruschi is going to join us in 15 minutes, but you know where we're starting. Here we go! go! Only one place to start. I would be surprised if the Nuggets did not respond a lot better because we know they had that game. And I believe we'll see Heat culture show up and they will take game three. The margins are super thin between these two teams. Canty, this game tonight in Miami, it's odd. You know, the Denver Nuggets, uh, I know you believe that they are in some trouble here. Hell yeah, they are. They're in trouble. That they've got problems. I look at this game tonight as an incredibly important game for Denver, not just because they need to go up and win the win, you know, take back home court and get as many as they can to win the championship here. Every game's important, duh. But I don't worry about the Miami Heat. It's funny. I still believe Denver wins this series, but I can't ignore the fact that the Miami Heat. Every time that they have been facing some adversity, Chris, have been able to respond, bounce back, and win those games when they absolutely needed them. So if they fell behind 2-1 in this series, that doesn't bother me in the least from their perspective. No, it doesn't because Miami doesn't flinch. And we've seen that throughout the playoffs. We've seen that throughout the regular season. You're talking about a team that was three minutes away from losing their second play-in game to the Bulls and not even making the playoffs. But routinely, the Miami Heat, when they're down in series or even when they're down in games, find a way to fight back. I mean, think about this, big fella. Throughout the playoffs, the Miami Heat have overcome seven double-digit deficits in order to win those games. That's the most in the last seven years in the playoffs. This is a team that doesn't flinch when they face adversity. They didn't flinch when they lost a 20-point-a-night scorer in Tyler Hero in the first series against the Bucks. They just are very workmanlike in terms of their approach. They're very consistent, and they impose their will in terms of playing their style, their game, their pace. Well, and, that's, and, and, that, and that's been the biggest, the biggest surprise to me in watching this NBA Finals against the Nuggets. They have dictated the complexion of this series by virtue of where the scoring is at. We're seeing the scoring in the 100s or the 110s. That overwhelmingly favors the Miami Heat because they just don't have the firepower that Denver does in order to score buckets. If this was scoring in the 120s to 130s, this would be a runaway situation. We'd be talking about a a four- or five-game series, but it's not. And that's because of how Miami consistently 
approaches the game and mucks it up like nobody's business. And you got to credit Eric Spolstra, but you also got to credit the chemistry and the connectivity of the guys that are on the court. And I think that's the aspect of this series that continues to be understated. Everybody's got a plan to get punched in the face. That's the old Mike Tyson adage, right? That kind of applies here to the Denver Nuggets. So it doesn't apply at all to the Miami Heat because, as you pointed out, muck. The, the Miami Heat, they are, they are absolutely a team that will get down and do whatever they have to do in any circumstance to win the game, and they are very comfortable in chaos. Mm. The Denver Nuggets haven't really faced chaos yet this, uh, this postseason. No. Not at all. And when you think back of the last few years, why haven't they gotten done? Well, maybe being uncomfortable in those situations has been a reason why. I want to hear from Jay Williams, though, because he brings an interesting perspective this morning on KJM as to why it's really the Heat that need Game 3 more. Miami needs Game 3 more than Denver. The next two games will decide the series. So two wins from Miami, and we have an extremely interesting series. It feels like they have three games to win one. All the pressure will be on them, but still, like, a lot of things in their favor, right? 1-1 split, then Denver regains home court advantage. You still feel like it favors Denver. Denver wins two games here. You feel like the series is over. So tonight's game, I think, is so important because you are going to take Denver's best punch. There's a tension, Jay, there that still is not buying into the Miami Heat and what they have done when he says if they win the next two games, it gets really interesting. No, if they win the next two games, I think it's over (laughs) if the Miami Heat win this series. Yeah, but I get where Jay's coming from. It's not uncommon in terms of how most people feel about this series. Everybody coming into this Mm -hmm. series thought this would be a runaway by Denver. People were surprised that the Miami Heat won game two. I was did not. I wasn't, because if there was any game that Miami was going to win, it was going to be game two. They went a seven-game series with the Boston Celtics in the conference finals. The Nuggets had a week's-plus worth of rest. They're going to go have to go at altitude, so things overwhelmingly favored Denver in game one. But once the guys had a chance to get adjusted to their environment, get a little bit of rest, you know, actually have a chance to feel the pace that the Denver Nuggets want to play at and spoke and make his adjustments – Then you saw how good the Miami Heat are at being able to dictate their terms when you're talking about playing their pace. So I think that until the Denver Nuggets force the Miami Heat to play their style of game, which is really being able to to, to score a lot of points and really not allowing the Miami Heat to, to set up their defense in the half court, until the Denver Nuggets can take advantage of more transition opportunities and create more open looks for Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and the rest of the supporting cast, then they're going to have trouble beating these guys. They really are, especially down in South Beach. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. And then there's the interesting aspect. Well, well, one more thing I want to say about this series, because we talk about this all the time, about how we anticipate role players playing better at home versus how they play on the road. The one thing that we have to remember when it comes to the Miami Heat, this is a team, like you said, they don't flinch in the face of adversity. This is also a situation when you're looking at this series where I don't think the Denver Nuggets can afford to go down 2-1. I just don't. Everybody is saying that you're not worried about Denver because they have the most talent. You know, over a seven-game series, the law of averages playing out, and the team that has the more talent is going to win. 
everybody continues to discount the importance of culture. And that's something that, that we see every single series this postseason with the Miami Heat. So why do we continue to disrespect the Miami Heat by saying that they really don't have a shot at being able to take care of this business and take control of this series definitively tonight? No, they listen, they can. And my biggest concern there has to do with the fact that I haven't seen Denver in it before. And I want to see what that looks like. I'm not going to rule them out completely, but the Heat have been exceptional this postseason, especially when they have needed to win some games. They haven't necessarily been great in dealing with prosperity, but overall, I I don't worry about them in a game four. But what really becomes interesting to me here now is what happens the rest of the way with Tyler Hero. Because the Heat, uh, he is already announced as out for game three. That was announced last night. Now, this was from Ros Gold and Wude right after game two. This was two days before it was announced uh, that he was out. This was uh, her Twitter, which is at Rosgo21. We're going to have her on later in the show. I spoke with Tyler here ahead of game two, his pregame routine, and he told me he experiences both soreness and swelling in his right hand after shooting and can feel the soreness when he's making a follow-through in his shooting motion. Also shared his consideration of not wanting to come back and mess up the rhythm of the team. Can't he... I don't think Tyler Hero coming back for that very reason that we just talked about, the culture, all that stuff with the heat, yeah. is going to mess them up, okay? If you were to bring him back in this series, they are going to be very judicious with how they do that. They're going to put him in situations to shoot. That's what he would be there for, to score, because we know he'll get targeted on the defensive end. But right now, I have to wonder if we're not going to see him at all if... He's been going through full contact practices for a week now, and I get that it's the NBA Finals, but I, I, I'm getting the feeling that Tyler Hero may not may have played his last game in 2023. Yeah, it's starting to feel like that. Even going back to when Spo was asked about Tyler Hero a couple of days, he gushed about how great he was in practice, you know, being able to go through some drills, full contact, full participation. You know, he's much more indecisive when it comes to other players' health. Think about Jimmy Butler in the Eastern Conference semis against the Knicks after he turned his ankle in game one. He was very, I guess, very tight-lipped when it came to the prospects of when we would see Jimmy in that series. And and so when he's divulging that kind of information about Tyler Hero – it feels like it's more of a smokescreen yes. in order to make it's the, making them prepare. Well, that, that, that's yeah, exactly. It's make make Michael Malone have something to think about going into Game Three, other than what he's seen in the first two games. And, and so, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know how much Tyler Hero we're going to see in this series. We're certainly not going to see him tonight. But the question is, if we are going to see him. How is Eric Spolster going to use him? Because he's not going to be thrown in the starting lineup. The guy hadn't played in seven weeks. And God bless him for being able to go through practice. But the intensity in an NBA Finals game is completely different. It's ratcheted up to the max. So if you're not going to start him, that means you're going to have to come off the bench. Do you really want him coming off the bench with Kyle Lauer? We saw in the regular season that that experiment was an absolute disaster. They had to move away from it. So I just – I think – Tyler Hero could add something to them in terms of being able to score off the bench, but is scoring really going to be the problem for the Miami Heat? I, I, I think the Miami Heat have a formula for success, which is keeping the scoring down, and I don't know how much Tyler Hero helps in that regard. I, see, I do think at some point the Nuggets are going to force them to have to score more points. 
I, I do think we're going to see that because, yes, through two games, they've done a great job defensively. Are they going to be able to continue to maintain them like that? I'm not sure. One thing I will not say, though, Canty, can't go this far. The Heat are not better off without him in the series. That, to me, is pushing it a little bit because he is a guy that's been a big part of their team the last few years. No, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I mean, There are people that believe that, though, and I don't buy it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm serious. I'm just thinking back to what you just said about the explosion that you're anticipating from the Denver Nuggets. Not at explosion. Some point. They'll have to score more, though. Well, I, I mean, you, you say that. I'm just looking at the last two series. And in the last two series, the Eastern Conference semis and the Eastern Conference finals, the opposing team scoring hasn't gotten out of the 110s. It just hasn't. So I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, we're talking about that. Like I'm just, I'm just sitting there thinking the only team that was capable of scoring in the 120s was the Milwaukee Bucks, mm-hmm. and they did it twice in that series. But remember, that was a gentleman sweep. So again, I, again, I just look at what Denver has, and I'll acknowledge that they do have a ton of firepower. They got three lottery picks in their starting lineup, but at the same time, I can't ignore the fact that the Heat have been able to control the complexion of the game. Every single series, no matter what they're dealing with in terms of a talent disparity. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits in one of the country's top workplaces. Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers. Apply online today. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, Series XM, Channel 80. We've got some NFL on the way, including the Dallas Cowboys and... Why Mike McCarthy taking over as play caller might impact the defense a whole lot more than it's going to impact the Cowboys' offense. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. I feel really good about what we've been able to accomplish in the spring. They changed some of the blocking schemes. The conversations not only to myself and Dak, they got to be consistent all the way through the offense coordinator, consistent all the way through the quarterback. Because when you do get mixed signals there, that's where potential you know, errors can occur. Now it's time to take over and, and really do it your way. Again, as we all acknowledge, that if you don't get it done, Jerry Jones is going to move on. He loves you. He loves what you've done for this organization, but he's not in the family program. The Cowboys have their issues. There is no doubt about it. But are they going to be a much better team this season? And what kind of role is Mike McCarthy going to play in that? It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Teddy Bruschi, ESPN NFL analyst, three-time Super Bowl champion, joins us right now. Teddy, it's Canty and Carlin. We appreciate a few minutes. And, you know, as we look at Mike McCarthy... And the fact that he is now going to be calling the plays, does that actually put a whole lot more pressure on the Cowboys' defense when you look at Kellen Moore maybe not being the problem in Dallas last year? Guys, thanks for having me on. Good to be with you. Um, I don't think there's more pressure on the Cowboy defense. I think they now have an offensive play caller that's more aware of the complementary fashion they should play. I think this is a good move. Um, I understand the numbers that the Cowboys offense have put up the last few years. It's just, it was about, you know, foot on the gas score, you know, uh, you know, eat up yards and get, get the ball in the end zone. But in terms of winning football games consistently, there's, there is something to be said about complimentary football. And I think that's what Mike McCarthy's coming in. And that's what I think he's leaning to. You know, he talked about running the football more and I understand that, but in terms of, you know, kicking the ball, sometimes the punts being okay, for example, I mean, so say it's a first and 10 and you're backed up on the 20 yard line. Okay. You get a five yard game, second and five, or you get a loss and then comes to be third and 10. There's a penalty and there's a third and long, something like that. You're in a third and long and you got the foot on the gas. It's third and 15. And I think we can get this first down. We attempt to throw the football and there's a sack instead of running the football and putting the ball maybe for a complimentary football way in terms of the special teams working and your defense having better field position. So those type of decisions as the offensive play caller, the head coach sometimes is more aware of. So I think Mike McCarthy can help in that aspect. Teddy, Jets all-pro defensive tackle Quinton Williams has been staying away from team activities this offseason because he wants his bag. Now, yesterday, head coach Rob Sala said that the contract is going to get worked out before the start of training camp. Just from your perspective, how important is Quinton Williams to that Jets defense and the team's overall goals in 2023? Katie, I think it's important, especially in September. Um, They canceled minicamp. Who knows how many reps they're going to get in the preseason. September is going to be a a continuation of the learning process for the New York Jet offense. So for Quinn and Williams to be there early and not to be any type of holdout is imperative because I think the Jets' defense has to carry the team 
early in the season as Aaron Rodgers gets sort of used to his new offensive players. As that happens, it can, it can look clunky. There can be a little bit of miscommunication, but the Jets' defense and special teams, defense especially, if they carry the mail, if they're being dominant, that's going to buy them time. And Quinnen Williams is the main piece in that defense. So hopefully they get him paid, they get him happy, and that defense doesn't have any type of time early in the year to get sort of get going. They will hit the ground running, and that's what that team needs for success. Teddy Bruschi, ESPN NFL analyst, three-time Super Bowl champion, will stay in the AFC East. The Bills brought in Leonard Floyd. Have they done enough this offseason to push the Chiefs in the AFC? I think they have. I think they've done enough to be in the game, guys, you know, to be in the game with the Chiefs, whether it's a divisional or whether it's an AFC championship game. And these pass rushers, they're almost like relief pitchers now. You just keep rolling them in there. So Vaughn Miller, Floyd, I think it's Rousseau. I mean, all these guys that are just rolling in, Ed Oliver, that can make that one play that, that, that ends a season for the other team, a sack, a strip sack, even a batted ball or something like that. I really think this Bills team was emotionally spent at the end of last year with everything that happened with DeMar Hamlin, him coming back, the way that they were so emotionally vested into everything that was DeMar and everything that was that push that now, you know, they've got these pass rushers. They've got everybody reloaded. Looks like DeMar's got his helmet on. He's participating again. Now they'll be back fully ready to go. So I think they've done enough. Talking to ESPN NFL analyst and three-time Super Bowl champ Teddy Bruschi on Greeny. And, Teddy, back in March, owner Robert Kraft said that the New England Patriots franchise is in a state of transition. My question to you, asking you to pull out your crystal ball, are we, yeah. are we poised to see Bill Belichick transition from the sidelines to being full-time in the front office at some point in the near future? Well, you got Shula coming up, which is the number he has to pass Shula, which I think it will take a couple seasons for him to get. And I think that's something that's on the horizon for I – think, I think it's a goal of Bill and probably a goal for um, the Kraft organization and the Patriots to get Bill to that all-time victories mark. So – Let's see. I mean, if that takes a couple of years, that's what it'll be. It is in transition. Last year was, man, it, it was a mess in there yeah. in terms of coaching and the offensive structure. So they've got things fixed a little bit now. So we'll see how many victories they can get this year. It's a tough division, but I don't know. I mean, Bill's got, Bill's got probably carte blanche and how long he can be there, but I'd love to see him pass Shula first. You know, it didn't necessarily sound like that, Teddy, uh, from from Robert Kraft this offseason, that there was carte blanche there. And I'm curious as to how Kraft, if, does he potentially view this any differently, considering he was not in a hurry to move on from Tom Brady, and basically Belichick was, and, and he wanted to move into the next uh, period of time, and he hasn't won since. So I'm curious how much that would play into it for Kraft. Probably the only way... I mean, there's more than one way, but I mean, how can an owner put pressure on a coach, you know? And then you talk about, you you know, you want to get back in the playoffs. You you talk about we're in transition, things like that. So, you know, Mr. Kraft's doing the best job he can, too, to also motivate Bill. I'd like to see Bill finish strong. 
I think I'll give him a pass on last year, okay? But that's the only pass I've ever given him. But <laughs> he, he needs to come back and coach hard and make the right decisions for this team so they can start winning football games again. Because, I mean, guys, right now, I mean, they're, they're like fourth looking up on the, in the AFC East. I mean, I know Tua's health means a lot, but with the Jets and the Bills now, I mean, they're going to have to – you know, win some very tough games to get to, I think it may, I mean, I know there were a few teams last year that made the playoffs with nine victories, but I don't think it's going to be like that this year in the AFC. You're going to have to come with 10-11 to make it in the playoffs. Last one for Teddy Bruschi, at least for me on ESPN Radio, ESPN NFL analyst. Teddy, um, the way the 49ers have built their team, is that sustainable, and is it going to lead for a t- lead to a title? Because we know Bose is about to get paid, and they still have the issues that they do at quarterback. Well, it depends on what you feel about Brock Purdy, yeah. <laughs> right? I know the injury is coming up, and he's got to rehabilitate. But if that works out, and it, and if it turns out that they found one in Purdy, I mean, they, they it, it almost makes up for their possible miss on Trey Lance because it's been a team that has, hasn't been quarterback focused so much. It's more defense. It's more scheme. It's more Shanahan, but then you make the move to get Trey Lance and Trey Lance has the injury. Is Trey Lance even ready. He has to show us some things next year. I mean, and now he's got competition with a kid that's coming back. That was, you know, I mean, that's Cinderella story of last year. It's possible if Brock Purdy is healthy and he's the guy. I mean, that would be something, wouldn't it? And then what do you do with Trey Lance? So that structure, it can, it can still work, you know, but they've just gambled on that quarterback position. So the gamble maybe didn't pay off, but then they might have fixed it with finding a diamond in the rough. So we'll see how Purdy ends up healing up and ends up playing this year. Teddy, just as a follow-up, with the economics at the quarterback position in today's NFL, is the formula that the 49ers have been using over the last half decade replicable at other franchises in the NFL? Well, you're talking to a guy that that won his first championship with a quarterback that came off the bench. Hello, hello. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so, I mean, I know we lost to you guys at all, but still, you know, um, it, it's possible. It's possible. I think there just has to be so much, so much emphasis put on a defense, a run game, and special teams. Can that be all done with a quarterback that isn't taking a lot of salary cap space? It's rare. I'm just saying that's just so rare. Usually it's done by the most important position in the game, and that's the quarterback, where eventually it's going to come down to that quarterback making that throw on a third and eight or making plays with his legs the way quarterbacks do nowadays. So it might be even tougher to do it that old school way anymore, Chris. Teddy, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks for popping on for a few. All right, fellas, no problem. Thanks for having me. That's Teddy Bruschi, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us, Canty and Carlin. Chris, I was thinking about this this morning. I'm having trouble believing. We're both on the same page when it comes to Mike McCarthy Mm. and that this is not an upgrade for the Cowboys. No, and I was was surprised to hear Teddy say that he thought it was a good thing. I mean, just looking at the last couple of years, the Dallas Cowboys have the highest winning percentage of any team when holding a lead at any point in a game. Mm -hmm. That's more wins than the Chiefs, more wins than the Bengals, more wins than the Bills. They do. When they have a lead at any point in the game, they usually win those games. So to hear Mike McCarthy's 
fire Kellen Moore, well, not fire, but allow his contract to expire, which is a de facto firing in the NFL, and cite the reason being that he wants his defense to be rested and he wants a coordinator, a play caller that understands the value of running the football. To me, that's just mind-boggling. The goal is to score points and win games. Their offense under Kellen Moore, has overwhelmingly been able to score a lot of points. You know what that does? That makes a good defense a great defense, and a great defense a championship-level defense because now the opposing offense becomes one-dimensional. They got to throw to catch up. That plays to the strengths of the Dallas Cowboys defensive unit under Dan Quinn. So it's just I don't understand the logic behind it, and you couple that with the issues that we've seen with McCarthy from game management standpoint, the usage of timeouts, situational football, and then also the turnovers from Dak, I just think they're poised to have a year where they take a step back. Well, the bigger problem for me, though, with all of that, is you are asking your defense to once again win you games. And I think it could be putting more pressure on the defense, even though McCarthy, in hoping to improve the offense, is thinking he's going to be doing the opposite. And if I'm the Dallas defense and early in the year that offense is struggling a little bit, I'm going to be looking around like, what exactly are we doing here? You know, how quickly as a player, as a defensive player in particular, and memory does not serve if you were ever in this particular situation in the NFL, mm. but how quickly through a few games, if you're a team with good expectations, can that little bit of a divide maybe start to rear its head, especially when it's the head coach, not toward the players. Oh, the yeah, coach. listen, it happened in 2013 when I was with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, remember, the Ravens had just won Super Bowl 47. They paid Joe Flacco a whole lot of money, yeah. and they were forced to move on from some key cards. Remember, there was no more Anquan Bolden with the Baltimore Ravens as a result of that, and the offense struggled that year. And I remember guys on the defensive side of the ball, Terrell Suggs, all those key cog players, looking around saying, hey, guys, what the hell is going on? Like it became that type of situation. Now, the, the team didn't splinter, but those tough questions were asked in the locker room about what are we doing, why aren't we able to have the same kind of success as we did the year before. You know, it's funny. I, it's, I, well, I was just going to say, I trust the Ravens' culture to handle that more than the Cowboys. Well, all I'm simply saying is this. When you score more points, you give yourself more margin for error. As a defense, it's a lot harder to win games 10 or 9 to 6 than it is to win games 27 to 21. You see what I'm saying? The more points your offense is capable of scoring, the more margin for error you have as a team. When your offense doesn't put up a lot of points, guess what? Any one mistake can beat you. You're asking your defense to play a near flawless game. Near flawless performances. We know in today's NFL, year over year, defense and turnovers are the two toughest things to replicate. They're putting a lot more pressure on their defense by going this route with the offensive philosophy that Mike McCarthy has suggested. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. The big breaking news after over a year in court that now there's going to be a merger. The DP World Tour, Live Golf, PGA Tour all coming together. Live Golf on the PGA Tour were Auburn and Alabama. They were the Yankees and the Red Sox, and now they're strange bedfellows. This merger, this marriage, it's great for the sport, the right thing to do. There are a lot of people, players and members upset about how this went down, that they were kept in the dark about it. It has dominated the headlines for the last 24 hours, no question. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We are in for Graney, of course, Series XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. And the guy who has been at the forefront of this from the PGA Tour standpoint is Rory McIlroy. He has been as, you know, just as completely vocal as he can be about the Live Golf Tour about everything that was wrong with the guys that went over there, about Phil Mickelson in that, uh, in that show, uh, what was it, first swing or full, full swing? swing? Full swing, yep. You know, it said blank Phil Mickelson, and I hope they use that, you know, all that stuff. Um, here is McElroy finally speaking today uh, after the news. We'll play a couple of these cuts back-to-back, and then we'll get some context to it as well. It was a surprise. I knew there had been discussions going on um, in the background, I knew that lines of communication had been opened up. Uh, I obviously didn't expect it to happen as, as quickly as it did. But I really think that, you know, from what I gathered, the tour felt they were in a real position of strength. When I try to remove myself from the situation and I look at the bigger picture and I look at 10 years down the line, you know, I think ultimately this is going to be, it's going to be good for the, the, the game of professional golf. I think it secures the... Uh, it unifies it, and it, and it secures its, its financial future. Well, there are two more quotes, too, that we just have the, the actual quotes from McElroy on. I still hate live. I hope it goes away. But here's the, here's the capper of all of it. The end of the day, money talks, and you'd rather have them as a partner. You know, what a shock that money would end up carrying the day on the entire thing. I understand. Listen, I get where... Everybody's coming from on it. Mm-hmm. I am not in love with it at all. If I, were, if I were a player in particular right now on the PGA Tour, and I had been, if I, if I were Roy McIlroy, I'd be pretty ticked off right now. Yeah, you feel like a sucker. 
The Live Tour yep. offered him hundreds of millions of dollars to defect away from the PGA Tour. And he decided to stay loyal only to have the same PGA Tour and Jay Monahan, the commissioner, cut a deal with Liv and get his golden parachute. That's money that Rory McIlroy will never be able to make up. Dustin Johnson got his bag. Phil Mickelson got his bag. Brooks Kepka got his bag. Bryson DeChambeau got his bag. All of these guys got their bag, and yet they're still going to be welcomed back to PGA Tour events. Now, I don't know what they're going to call the final entity, mm-hmm. but it's true what Rory said in terms of securing the financial future for golf and being able to make this the premier tour in the world and not have as much strife and as much friction. The PGA Tour now has its stars back. And when you're trying to build your audience, when you're trying to draw more casual sports fans into the sport of golf, you're going to need the stars that defected away and went to the Live Tour as well as the guys that stayed on the PGA Tour. As much as we love Scotty Scheffler, guess what? Scotty Scheffler don't move the needle in terms of ratings. He doesn't. But when you got Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka out there, he does. And it's not a coincidence that we're talking about this happening weeks after Kepka won the PGA Championship at Oak Hill. See, I was I don't know if McElroy he said there I had I had heard there were things going on, or I knew there were things going on. The most of the uh outrage yesterday seemed to be that they didn't, they were not clued in at all. They found out when we did that the deal was done, and that Monaghan basically sold them out. And, and that, I think, is where the problem uh, came after what they did for the last year. Yes, feeling like a sucker for backing these guys up because they told me to, because they told me to be loyal, because they, Jay Monaghan, was the guy that's out there saying all of these negative things and pointing out stuff about live money that... He invoked 9-11. The guy invoked 9-11. Which was a mistake. Which was was a mistake. mistake Because you got to understand, anytime you work in a business, the goal of the business is to make as much money as possible. It's not about standing on a moral high ground. It's not about morals or values. It's about value. It's about money. And as the commissioner, he's trying to make as much money for the PGA Tour as he possibly can. And there is no comparison in terms of the resources that the PGA Tour has to work with versus the Live Tour, which is backed by the Saudi Public Investment Fund. There's no comparison. So this this feels like this was something that was eventually going to happen anyway. It's just that at the outset of it, I think there was a misstep by Jay Monahan to appeal to the public on a moral ground yeah. or a moral premise as opposed to talking about the tradition of the PGA Tour and what makes the game of golf great overall. I think that's where this should have lived. And by Jay Monahan making this about a moral high ground, he, in effect, hurt a lot of people's feelings that were deeply impacted by 9-11. The families, the 9-11 families have already uh, basically been ripping him to shreds publicly uh, for this, and that's not surprising. And listen, you're right. If you're going to make it anytime you're you should in, never make it about that if you're absolutely in not. And if you're in any kind of a dispute with another group, you try not to make it. You try to make it more about the business aspects of it and not the emotional part of it and not the moral part of it. He was so wrong with that. And that's where if I'm those players on that PGA Tour, I am most angry today. Well, the players jumped on it, too, though. Like, I, I, I listen. I, I get that Jay Monahan started that. Because he's but leading the, me but, into but, but it. The, but the yeah. players jumped on that yes, too. Yes, they did. 
The play, the players, you know, jumped on it. They bit on it like a big mouth bass. They should not have gone down that road. No. And the fact that they did leaves them looking like hypocrites today because they're not going to defect from the PGA Tour and they're going to take the Saudi back money from the Live Tour. Thanks for listening to Greeny the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.